Welcome to the London First Baptist Church podcast. This is the Sunday morning service from December 30th from Youth Pastor Alan Johnston. Surprise. (laughs) I'm not Brother Brett, but I do get the pulpit this morning and I appreciate the opportunity. Apparently, based on discussion in this uh, youth ministers forum that I'm a part of on Facebook, apparently this is the most common week for youth pastors to get to preach. They were, making, <laughs> they, were make, they were making little logos called National Let the Youth Pastor Preach Day in this group, and they were doing polls, and about 50% of the people in there were actually preaching on this the last Sunday of the year. But I'm grateful for the opportunity always. Um, December's been a, a busy year. It's been a very good year, uh, or a good month, I mean. Um, we, I, I've mentioned it several times, but I want to mention it again here at the end of the month. We appreciate you guys and your help supporting uh, London Elementary School. We, we gave 39 kids a better Christmas through London First Baptist Church this year, and that is awesome. Um, we also sent over $400 worth of gift cards to Dave Andreessen and his family in Chicago, and they were super excited about that. They, they, he called me last week and said, we're having Burger King on your church. So thank you guys for being a part of that as well. Uh, we had a youth Christmas party that had a great turnout. I know the kids had a great uh, Christmas party, the little kids sang up here uh, a couple of weeks ago, so it's been, a, it's been a good month, it's been a good December, I hope your Christmas was great. We had a, a candlelight service on Christmas Eve, my family was half the people that were here, they took up this entire section. Tracy's mom's family was uh, in Russellville this year, and there were 38, I think, from her family that were here that night, but it was a great service as well. Um, it's in your bulletin, but I did want to touch on this real quickly before I get really going here, on Tuesday, um, we're taking a group from here of college students and young adults and high school seniors to a conference called the Cross Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. It is a missions conference targeted at young adults. Really excited about it. There will be six main session speakers where they will actually literally go through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, talking about missions in the Bible. There'll be three breakout sessions that the kids get to pick what they're going to go to, um, and, and they all seem really excited about that. So please pray for us as we travel. Um, the weather looks pretty good right now, but at times it has not looked all that great. So please pray for that. Um, I'm excited about getting to take them. They, I'm by far the oldest person going, so they'll keep me young for a few days. Um, this this conference is specifically for 18 to 25-year-olds, So um, and it sold out. I found that out this week, so it will be a very crowded conference. But uh, pray for that. Pray that God really works during that conference during those few days uh, this week as we turn into the new year. 2018 is already over. Can you believe that? One more day and we're in 2019. I was thinking about some of the highlights of 2018, highlights and lowlights both. Um, A lot of things happened in 2018. For instance, IHOP became IHOB temporarily. (laughs) We had the whole Yanny versus Laurel thing, which my family pulled back up yesterday to kind of look at that. Did you hear Yanny? Did you hear Laurel? Um, Thanos wiped out half the population. Some of you guys won't get that until later. Um, <laughs> LeBron James went to the Lakers. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, we had Supreme Court nominations. We had a royal wedding. Uh, we had wildfires, hurricanes, school shootings. Um, we had the death of a former president. We had government shutdowns. We had a soccer team trapped in a cave for 18 days. We had the Me Too movement. One of the cool things we had here was a bunch of youth on the worship team. That's awesome. If you look up here this morning, there were several. There's been quite a few that have been involved this year during that. So 2018 has had a lot going on, good, bad, and everything in between. Uh, We've reached the end of 2018. One more day, and we're in 2019. 
Tracy and I were talking about this the other day. When my kids were born, and especially when they got into elementary school, their graduation years are 2021 and 2024. Those seemed so far out in 2003, and, and especially when they started school in 2008 and 2011. It seemed like that was way out there. And here we are, and they're only a couple of years from that. That's a crazy thing to think about. It seems so far out there when they began school, and now that's not so much the case. A new year sparks a new beginning a lot of times. There's nothing magical about the calendar turning or anything like that, but a lot of times we can see it as an opportunity for a fresh start. We can see it as a chance to do something new, to do something different with our lives. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, and a message that I titled, No Turning Back. And I want to look at this passage as we move into the new year. What does it really mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like for us? What does that mean based on what Jesus says? And I actually want to back up and read verse 23, and then I'll read verse 57 through 62 from Luke chapter 9. Verse 23 says, Then he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And then 57 through 62, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. Then, but he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. Jesus said to them, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. God, as we dig into this tough passage. I pray that we would be challenged to follow you in 2019 all the way, to follow you in a way maybe we never have, no matter how long we've been a believer, no matter how long we followed you, or maybe for the first time, that we would see what a serious commitment it is, what a dedication, what an all-in commitment it is to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, they wanted to follow Jesus, but they kind of wanted to do it on their own terms. They kind of wanted to do it their way. And Jesus' response seems kind of harsh at times. The things that they're asking to do, they they, they weren't really bad things. I mean, they they were good things. But his point is that there's no room for half-hearted devotion in following him. Because following Jesus isn't easy. It asks everything, it requires everything, and we gain everything as we follow him. He calls us to a life of crazy risk. He calls us to a life of daring adventure. He calls us to a life of getting out of the dull and the dry, of getting out of the boat and into the water, of getting off the sidelines and into the game. There's a couple of passages that I thought of as I was looking through this, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, where God told people to give up what they loved most to follow him. In Genesis, Abraham was willing to do that with his son. He was willing to sacrifice even his son, if that's what it required to follow Jesus, to follow God totally, he was willing to sacrifice his son. But in Matthew 19, the guy couldn't give up his wealth. He couldn't give up his riches. He couldn't go all in in following. Following Jesus isn't easy. It asks everything. It requires everything, but we gain everything. So what does it mean to truly follow Jesus? What does it mean to go all in? What does it mean to give everything for him. The first thing is this. It means whatever, whenever, wherever. Whatever, whenever, wherever. These guys wanted to follow Jesus, but they wanted to do it on their own terms. And his response was, you can't do it on your terms. You do it on my terms. You go all in. And it wasn't just something that he said. It was something that he did. It was something that he illustrated with his life, going all the way to the cross to follow God's plan. 
He modeled it through his life. He modeled it through his death. We do it on his terms, not our own. We don't play games. We get in the game. We get in his game. We're willing to follow whatever, whenever, wherever that requires. There was a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee in 2008, and I share this because I think this is the type of church that deep down, hopefully, we all want to be a part of. I know I do. There was a church in 2008 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that started an initiative called As You Go. And every church member was challenged to think of a handful of people to pray for and ultimately to share their faith with. And on a fall night in 2008, because of this initiative, this church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in one night, baptized 120 people. Think that'd be pretty cool? Think that'd be a pretty awesome experience? Think you could handle being here for three or four hours just watching people go through the baptismal waters? I hope you can. I hope you would. I hope it would be one of the most exciting things you ever experienced in your life. If Murfreesboro, Tennessee can do it, why can't London, Arkansas do it? Why can't Russellville, Arkansas do it? Whatever, whenever, wherever. Let's look at each of these briefly. Whatever. Whatever means a complete dedication. It means a total commitment. It means daily taking up our cross, even when it's hard. And it will be hard. We stick with it. In Matthew 10, 38, Jesus said, whoever does not take up his cross is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross is not worthy of me. We get so easily distracted. We get so easily pulled away by things, maybe even good things. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lay aside every hindrance. Lay aside every distraction. Lay aside everything that gets in the way. Whatever gets in the way of following Jesus has to be pushed aside. It has to be laid aside. It has to be placed on the altar. It has to be put away. It has to be even put to death, perhaps. And we tend to get easily distracted. We tend to lose focus in whatever becomes most things. I'll follow Jesus in most things. And whatever becomes more than most people, because we all can find a list of people that we know, oh, I'm better than them. I'm doing better than that person. Okay, but who's the ultimate standard? Jesus, right? And by the way, the Bible says he's perfect. Anybody want to raise their hand and say that they're perfect? I don't think so. Whatever becomes more than most people or more good things than bad things, we weigh it out and, well, my life is a little bit better than it is bad. Or even good enough as if there's some lowest common denominator standard. If I reach that standard, then I'm doing good enough and I can stop there and I can settle. As we enter into 2019, it has to be so much more than that. Our faith journey, our lives with Christ have to be more than lowest common denominator so we can pat ourselves on the back and feel good about, we did this. 1999, the Columbine High School shooting happened. And I was watching a video that came out not long after that. And I heard this song in the background of that video about some of the 1999 Columbine High School martyrs. And the song says, whatever it takes, I'll trust you completely. I'm here in your hands, Lord, if you need to break me. All I've got, 
all I am, all my dreams, all my plans. I'm holding nothing back from you. Can we say that about our lives? Lord, whatever it takes, I'll trust you completely. I'm here in your hands if you need to break me. All I've got, all I am, all my dreams, all my plans, holding nothing back from you. Am I willing to follow him whatever it requires of me, to let him break me, to let him have me completely? That's the whatever part. The whenever part is we enter a new year. How many of you guys make resolutions? It's okay to admit it. (laughs) Not very many anymore. Okay, most people don't do that anymore, right? But some people do. And usually near the top of that list is what? Lose weight, diet, eat better, exercise, those types of things. And yet, spiritually, too often we treat God like that diet program that we never really get around to, that we never go all in for. We have good intentions. That New Year's resolution we never really intended to keep. If I do this, then I'm doing okay, but I'm not going to quite get to that. And too often we mean well but we don't get very far. When Jesus calls, he wants me, not someone else. When Jesus calls, he wants me right now, not later, not down the line. There was a skit that I vividly remember, and we've actually done it with the youth a few times over the years in various contexts. There's a skit from when I was in high school or college, my home church in Central Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They did a skit, and there were five people lined up across the front of the stage, and each of them would step forward when it was their turn And they would share kind of a part of their story. And basically, it was a prayer to God. God, this has happened, this has happened, blah, blah, blah. I know you want me to blah, 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 blah. Lord, I just can't quite do that. Here I am, send Tracy. Here I am, send Brent. Here I am, send Brent. And they would pass the line until the last person said, Lord, it's tough, but here am I, send me. And I think far too often we're like that. Lord, I want to do that. I want to follow you. I want to share my faith. I want to go on mission trips. I want to help this church grow. I want to do this, but I don't feel qualified or I don't feel like I'm able. So here am I. Send somebody else. Send the pastor. Send the worship leader. Send the youth pastor. Send the deacons. Procrastination is lukewarm faith. Tomorrow never really comes. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And we start making excuses, and tomorrow never comes. In fact, in James chapter 4, he says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good you are to do and yet not to do it. It is sin to know the good you are to do and yet not to do it. Too often we hear what God wants and hope somebody else steps up and does it. Hope somebody else comes forward and takes that job on. And we make excuses. And our excuses really indicate a lack of trust in God. And they sometimes even kind of may say that we think we know better than God himself. We wouldn't say that, but that's the way it comes across a lot of times, that maybe we know better than you do. Like a child, and none of you have ever had this happen, where your child knows better than you, even though they're 12 years old, 15 years old, 18 years old. We were watching the uh, 80s comedy, Different Strokes, yesterday, and in one of the episodes, Willis, the older brother, gets mad at 
dad's rules and decides he's going to move out. He's 16, 17 years old. Decides he's going to move out because he doesn't like that dad doesn't want him to go to the party and dad doesn't want him to drink and dad doesn't want him to do this or that. And things don't go so well once he moves out. And actually, the friend that he moves in with winds up dying in a drunk driving accident. But the episode is really a lot about Willis presenting to Mr. Drummond that he knows better than him. And when we make excuses to keep us from following God, that's what we're doing to God, that we know better than him. Good intentions are never enough. Procrastination is a lack of faith. Later usually becomes never. And we sit on the sidelines as fans of Jesus, never fully following him. When he calls, we respond. Whatever, whenever, wherever. The Great Commission speaks of making disciples as we go. And it means everywhere that we go. In our schools, in our workplaces, in our families, at home, on the ball field, in the band room, wherever it might be in the neighborhood, at a restaurant, at a grocery store. We go and make disciples as we go wherever we go, wherever he leads, and we take him everywhere we go with us. And if he calls us to go away somewhere to serve him, we do so and we take him there as well. Do the people that we're around at work, at school, even just as we're around different places in Russellville area, do they know that we belong to Jesus? How do we treat them? Does the way we treat them say that we belong to Jesus? Does the way we live our lives say that we belong to Jesus? If we asked, if we interviewed them, would they say, oh yeah, she's definitely following Christ. He's definitely living for Christ. What does the evidence of our lives say? Too often we're too silent about our faith because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to be viewed as intolerant. But the call of Jesus is whatever, whenever, wherever. Second thing is that it means, every, it means everything else takes second place to him. Everything else takes second place to following Christ. There is no Jesus and something else at the top. It's Jesus and everything else underneath him. Luke 9.23 has three parts. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him daily. And what it really means is that we give up our rights, and we give up the desires of ourselves and we give up what we want for following him. We give up control to follow him. We give up our desires and ourself to follow him. Even Jesus modeled this in the garden. As he's going to his death, he's praying in the garden and he's praying for an outlet. He's praying, Father, if there's any way other than this, but not my will, but yours be done. He finished the prayer, even though he asked for a way out. It means everything else takes second place to him. It means if anything is threatening to take the place of Jesus in our life, that thing is becoming a counterfeit God in our life. It is becoming an idol. It is becoming a functional Savior in our life. And we have to push that aside. We have to shove that aside and not let anything take His place because good things can very easily become God things in our lives. They can take the place of God in our lives. And we don't like to think about it like this, but this is spiritual adultery. The book of Hosea makes that pretty clear, I think. It's all about that. I can promise this. God is a better God than anything else we try to fill our lives with. Following him will satisfy more than anything else we try to fill our lives with. We see it time and time again. I was talking about things that happened in 2018. A number of celebrities died from suicides. We see that kind of thing all the time. Tom Brady may be the greatest quarterback of all time. 
He's now won, what, five Super Bowls? After he had won his third Super Bowl, this is probably 2009, somewhere in that neighborhood, he was interviewed by CBS 60 Minutes, and he said, I've got two wonderful kids, I've got three Super Bowl trophies, MVPs, a smoking hot wife, and yet I think there has to be something more. I feel like it's not enough, there has to be something more. Madonna, one of the most popular pop artists of my childhood, in a quote that I ran across several years ago, she said, I've been popular and unpopular, successful and unsuccessful, liked and not liked, and none of it satisfies. None of it brings fulfillment. Even Napoleon years ago, one of the great conquerors of all time, said this, Napoleon Bonaparte, Alexander, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires, but on what foundation did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Millions of men would die for him. In the Bible, you look at the people that we think of as the greats of the Bible, they were willing to give up whatever it took to follow Jesus. It didn't mean that they never fought with him. It didn't mean that they always had it all together. But the disciples gave up families. They gave up friends. They gave up comfort. They gave up jobs. They gave up familiarity to follow this rabbi who said, come follow me. And they did. And they left it behind and they followed him. Abraham stepped out in Genesis 12, I think it is, from the land that he knew. God didn't even tell him where he was going. He said, go to the land that I will show you. And he was willing to do that. And then later he was willing to give up his son if that was what was required of him. Moses gave up a life of Egyptian royalty, fought with God, made excuse after excuse. We're talking about excuses earlier. Moses in Exodus 3 and 4 was the king of excuses. To the point that in Exodus 4, 12, somewhere around there, it says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. <laughs> we make excuses with God all the time. I don't want the Lord's anger burning against me. I don't know what that looks like, but I don't want that in my life. But he gave up a life of Egyptian royalty, fought with God, and ultimately followed him. These and many other knew that these other things would never provide the ultimate fulfillment that they were looking for. Nothing will. Nothing will fill that void. It can't. Everything else pales in comparison to knowing Christ. Paul said that he would preach Christ crucified, and that alone would be more than enough for him. He said to live as Christ and to die as gain. He said everything else was rubbish compared to knowing Christ and following Him. Mother Teresa said, not, we're not called to be successful, but we're called to be faithful. We're not called to be successful, we're called to be faithful. It means everything else takes second place to Him. Maybe we need to declutter our lives in 2019. Maybe we need to downsize our lives. Maybe we need to let go of some things that have become more important to us than following after Christ. And then the final thing following Jesus means, it means a willingness to risk everything for him. A willingness to risk everything for him. Look at the disciples. Almost all of them died for following Jesus. Person after person in history has. I was talking to a friend of mine because I had ran across some notes that I would made on something a long time ago about a story that he had shared at, at an event that I was at. He had gone on a mission trip to India, and they had invested in this young Hindu girl named Sheshana. 
And Shoshana ultimately gave her heart to Christ. And they're celebrating with her in there, but she didn't speak any English, and he could tell something was wrong, and she was crying, and they couldn't get through to her, and something was lost in translation. And finally, the interpreter got through to her enough for Mark to realize that what she was crying about was she told the interpreter, when my parents get home, I'll get beaten to death for following Christ. And it broke my friend Mark, realizing he was going home to his American life of comfort and Shoshana was risking being beaten for becoming a Christian. In 2008, a Saudi Arabian girl whose dad was prominent in the government gave her life to Christ when her dad found out that, he had, that she had become a Christian. First, he cut her tongue out, and then he burned her alive. I'm not sharing those stories to be over the top. I'm sharing those stories to say what we face in America is nothing compared to What we risk is nothing compared to that. And yet, often our desire for comfort and security holds us back. It hinders our obedience to the Great Commission. We don't go all in and we reach the end of life and look back and go, what happened? What did I miss out on? Why didn't I go all in? Luke chapter 14, Jesus said this about the cost of following him. Great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundations and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying this man started to build and wasn't able to finish Or what king, going to war against another, will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Wow. I think just from the handful of scriptures that we've looked at this morning, it's hard to think that following Jesus is going to be easy and comfortable. It's hard to think that it's not going to be risky, that it's not going to be giving stuff up, that it's not going to be a willingness to face whatever cost to trust Him completely. One of the great tragedies in life is a life not fully lived, a life that dies long before it actually physically dies. And yet so many people who claim to follow Christ just go through the motions, just exist in their faith. We live, we truly live when we follow Him no matter what it costs. When, it, when we follow Him no matter what it takes. When we follow Him no matter what we risk, no matter what we sacrifice. We align ourselves with Him and we're willing to follow Him all the way to the cross. We can't look at God and say, God, you're welcome to come along for the ride, but I'm still going to take control. We can't do that. We give up our thoughts, we give up our plans, we give up our dreams, we give up our desires, our control, and even our very selves and our very lives as His is the only approval we seek, the only honor we are chasing after. We say no to comfort, to past lifestyle choices, to future plans. We quit existing and start fully living as He intends, as He plans. But too many who claim to follow Christ merely exist, merely go through the motions. We stay on the sidelines and never fully get into the game. 
Getting into the game challenges our beliefs. It challenges our lifestyles. It challenges what's important to us. But we can't go through the motions of casual Christianity and churchianity. We can't settle for status quo. We can't settle for good at the expense of great, for fine at the expense of a vibrant faith, for a padded seat and a name on a church roll instead of the life that God intends. God wants to push us out of the boat. He wants to push us off the sidelines. He wants to see us give him our best instead of our leftovers from an overcrowded, busy life. If we have to fit God in to an overcrowded, busy life, then we need to declutter. Then we need to let go of some things that are getting in the way of fully following him. And it's easy to sit back and go, well, I just don't know if God can do this, or I just don't know if I can do this for God, or if, if I can be all in, or if, if God can actually use me. In a book called Wild Goose Chase, Mark Batterson said this, it seems to me that the people God uses the most are the ones who make the fewest assumptions. Joshua didn't assume that the sun can't stand still. Elisha didn't assume that an axe head can't float. Mary didn't assume that virgins can't get pregnant. Peter didn't assume he couldn't walk on water. And Jesus didn't assume that dead people can't be raised to life again. What assumptions are we living with that are holding us back? What are we buying into that keeps us from fully engaging our faith, fully engaging God, fully going where he is calling us to go? I mentioned the song earlier, Nothing Back. There's another song that came out in Christian radio a few years ago called Emotions by Matthew West. It says, I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. Basically, we draw the line in the sand and say, are we willing to live in nothing back faith, or are we going through the motions? Hudson Taylor was a great missionary to China, and the Chinese government didn't like the stuff that he was doing, and so they commissioned a man to write an autobiography, or a biography about Hudson Taylor full of lies to discredit him. And this man did all this research hired by the Chinese government to discredit Hudson Taylor. And along the way, he found so much character, so much integrity, so much faith, so much good in Hudson Taylor that he laid down his pen, renounced his atheism, and became a follower of Christ instead of writing that biography. Can we say that about our lives? If someone was trying to discredit us, would there be enough pointing to Jesus that they would push that aside, renounce their hate for God, renounce their atheism, and say, I want what that person has. I want that life. For Abraham, God's call was go to the land I'll show you, and it wasn't something clearly defined. It was a step out of a comfort zone. It was a step into the unknown. And maybe that's what 2019 is for us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. It was a step out of a comfort zone, a leap into the unknown, a step out of comfortable and predictable to follow God's plan down an uncertain, undefined path. For us, are we willing to follow Jesus, our rabbi, our teacher, wherever he goes, even if other people think we're nuts, even if we ourselves don't understand? It may lead us to places that were scorned, to places that were uncomfortable, to places that were treated unfairly. It may take us into the presence of sinners, of poor, of outcasts, and more. It may be more trying than we realize at the time. There's a plaque hanging on the wall in our youth area, and I actually have it in my Sunday school room as well. And it says this, We are misfits, a people who take God at His word, 
risk takers, light bringers, game changers, wrecking balls, home builders, world travelers, yes sayers, red sea walkers, kingdom of darkness topplers. We refuse to give up, in or out. We are audacious pioneers who forge new ways. We are rebels with the gospel who go outside of mere religion where Jesus is facilitating restoration and setting tables. The insider world is not our home. Pull up a chair. We are misfits, a people who take God at his word. As we enter a new year, the call of Christ on our life may not be something we understand, but it will always be worth it. And so the question for us is, how much will we trust him? Will we trust him like a child who leaps off of a stage like this into his daddy's arms for no other reason than you're my dad, I knew you would catch me? Will we trust him like something I was reading about yesterday? There actually is a competition for blind skiers. They trust their guide so much that they're able to go down mountains at 70 to 100 miles an hour, trusting their guide. Are we willing to follow God, to trust him like that? Enough to follow, enough to say, no turning back, I'll follow him. I'm holding nothing back today, December 12th, 2000, December 20, 30th, 2018. Tomorrow, the year of 2019 for life. There was a song, late 80s, early 90s in Christian music called How Long. It says we get so caught up in the future that we don't take the time to live today. How long will it take to start all over before we finally realize we've been wasting so much time? As we step out of 2018, as we step into a new year, I want to challenge us individually as a church to see what it really means to follow Jesus and if we're willing to do it, to take that leap of faith to step out, to be that misfit, to be that misunderstood person, to be that person that everybody looks at and goes, what is up with that person? And ultimately that person they look at and say, I want what he has. I want what she has. Not churchianity, not going through the motions, but a nothing back faith that's all in following Jesus all the way. For some of you this morning, you have no idea what that looks like maybe. Maybe this morning... What needs to happen in your life is to come talk to me or Brother Brett or one of our deacons and say, I don't even know what it means to be saved. Help me. I need to know the good news of the gospel. I need that in my life. I want to start a new year with that. I want to end this year by driving a stake in the ground, giving my life to Jesus, accepting his salvation, having my sins forgiven, knowing that I have eternal life with him. If that's you this morning, when the invitation starts in just a moment, Come talk to one of us. Get that nailed down. Get that taken care of. It's the best thing you can do to end one year and start a new year. It's the best decision you'll ever make. For the rest of us and most of you in here would claim that you follow Christ. Let's drive a stake in the ground the last Sunday of 2018 and say, I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of not following all the way. I'm tired of letting other things get in the way of Jesus and what he wants in my life. And in 2019, if God is calling me to talk to my neighbor, I'll talk to my neighbor. If God is calling me to talk to someone at Walmart, I'll talk to that person. If God is calling me to go to Chicago or Guinea or Atlanta or Dallas or wherever it might be to follow him, I'm willing to do that. If God is calling me to take a position of leadership, I'll do that. If God is calling me 
to bring people to church, to be a part of what God is doing at 2019 at London First Baptist Church, I'll do that. Lord, whatever it takes, I'll trust you completely. I'm holding nothing back. God, I pray this morning that as we wrap up 2018, as we head into a new year, that it would be a restart, a fresh start, whatever we need, God, to, to get ourselves more fully engaged with who you are and what you want. And God, that we would be so amazed by you, so blown away by you that we can't help but talk about you and live for you and, and share our faith and that it just spills over and that it becomes so real in every part of our lives, not just Sunday at church, not just Wednesday in youth group or children's ministry or whatever it might be. But God, that we would become a people sold out for you, holding nothing back from you. And God, that you would explode in our midst like you did in that church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Like you did in the early church who saw 3,000 saved in one day and then saw people saved daily. God, we want to be that type of people individually, collectively as a church, as your church. God, whatever it takes to get us to that point, I pray that you would do that. And that would begin here today as we fall so in love with you that we can't help but take the words of Jesus and follow him God, I pray that you would have your way as we close this service. In Jesus' name.